Great news, everyone. Jesus is alive and well. This is Glenn Raglan Educational and Transformational Ministries. Great ministries. Welcome to this week's podcast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for those who continue to tune in to our podcast. We bless them. We pray for the family of Sally Rice Brinzel. Sally was a high school classmate of mine who lost her battle with cancer and passed away at the age of 65. We pray that your word will go forth. It will not return to you empty. It will accomplish what you sent it to do in the name of the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our study of Ephesians with chapter 5. Paul continues to encourage the church at Ephesus to walk worthy of their calling. And in verses 1 and 2, he writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. My friends, we are children of God, and just like we imitate our parents, we are to imitate our Heavenly Father. We are to be like Him in the love we exhibit towards others as we walk in love. The love of the Father is in the Son as Jesus gave himself up for us. His offering to the Father was himself, and his sacrifice was pleasing to the Father. The idea of fragrant offerings is spoken of in the Old Testament in Leviticus 1.17 and 3.16, along with Isaiah 53 and 10. It is also referenced in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16, as well as Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 4 proclaims, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. My brothers and sisters, Paul warns the new Christians not to have anything to do with sexual festivities, promiscuity, and greed of the Gentile world. Paul warns that greed is not fitting if we call ourselves saints. So, my Christian friends, where is the line between need and greed? The answer is that greed is the consuming desire to possess more than others. The mantra of the 1980s was that he who dies with the most toys wins. One of my first jobs out of college was selling Florida real estate retirement lots for a company called General Development. I remember the vice president of sales saying in a speech that he made some astronomical amount of money that year, but that he was greedy and wanted more. Less than 10 years later, General Development would face fraudulent home sales charges and they went bankrupt. I'll never forget his words. I'm greedy and I want more. This is corporate America, where greed is good, according to those who subscribe to that school of thought. It is precisely that school of thought that Paul warns against. Paul also warns against crude, rude humor. Why? Because if filthy language is spoken on the outside, filth resides on the inside. When people are constantly slipping up and cursing, then apologizing, it is embedded in their personality. If you talk to someone who always has a dirty joke, 
They are the type who Paul warns us about. Ephesians 5 verses 5 through 7 says, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. My comrades for Christ, Paul continues to warn Christians not to do the things that the rebellious and disobedient do, namely immorality, impurity, and covetousness. Since we are no longer part of that crowd any longer, we cannot live like that crowd any longer. Our salvation is not lost, but if we continue with that crowd, just know that the wrath of God is upon all those who are disobedient. I've spoken about those who suffer being in the wrong place at the wrong time and becoming collateral damage of God's wrath. Listen to Paul's words in Ephesians 5 verses 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11 continues, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Folks, darkness symbolizes the realm dominated by sin and death. Light represents righteousness and life. We as Christians are to live as those who are in the light at all times. So we must make a decision each day, each hour, each minute, whether we live as children of light or the children of darkness. If we choose the light, then the natural results are fruitful lives rooted in Jesus. Do a self-evaluation and see what kind of fruit you are producing. If you don't like what you see, check your roots. My friends, it is the light of the Christian and the fruit produced by the Christian that the world takes notice of. They take notice because sin is exposed by the light. That's why you can't walk in the light and hide your sin. You will always be exposed. You cannot live both ways. Verse 14 is an interesting passage as it is typeset like a poem. Some view it as a hymn. It is not a direct quote from any Old Testament scripture, but possibly a paraphrase from Isaiah 60 verses 1 and 2. Now let's look at verses 15 and 16 of the fifth chapter of Ephesians. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. My brothers and sisters in Christ, our walk is being observed by non-believers to see what makes you different. When you are an unbeliever surrounded by fools, the last thing you want to deal with is a foolish Christian. Our wisdom should show our walk. We have a relatively short time on earth, and we should use it wisely to do the work of God that he has assigned to you. That is redeeming the time. My friends, our lives are exposed to a daily dose of evil, so when you have the opportunity to do something good for someone, you should do it. 
We are here to shine light on the evil and replace it with good. Do whatever you can, but do something good. Verses 17 through 21 contain these words. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Folks, we don't have time for foolishness. When we understand that concept, that we know and understand that time is short while we're here on earth, then we will seek the Lord's will and do it. We are here to live our lives as taught in Scripture. The temptation of some is to drink until drunk in order to cope with the present world. And the word dissipation is a mental distraction or amusement or diversion. It is wasting by misuse. But Paul has a different agenda. Instead of being filled with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and this will be the results. You will be able to worship with songs and hymns. My friends, I find myself thanking God for more little things than ever before. When I walk outside in the heat, I thank God for air conditioning. I thank God that I don't work outside as well. When I walk for exercise, I thank God for the use of my legs. Not everyone has air conditioning or the use of their legs. So I'm thankful. Are you? The Holy Spirit also causes us to honor each other in Christian love. Now let's listen to what Paul writes in verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. My brothers and sisters, Paul builds on the Holy Spirit filling you so that you have mutual submission to each other, and he carries this theme to the mutual submission to marriage. Some have made the mistake of only reading the A part of verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husband, and do not read the verses in the context of the letter and the times. In the Greco-Roman world, everyone submitted to the patriarch. But Paul teaches on mutual love and the relationships of wives and husbands, children and parents, and servants and masters. But each one of these relationships points to Jesus and ultimate ways to honor him. A wife who submits to her husband doesn't make her weak. The two have become one flesh, and you cannot have two heads. So God made man the head, but he also made him give the wife mutual respect. The husband has Christ as his head, but he must show his wife mutual respect in order to please Christ. Then Paul continues with the comparison of wives and husbands with the church and Christ in verses 25 through 33. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. My friends, Jesus sacrificed his life for his church. Are husbands to do any less for their submissive wives? Verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And verse 27 says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy 
and without blemish. Friends, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross cleansed all sins from the church body. Verses 28 and 29 says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. My comrades, the emphasis is on the husband's role in taking care of his submissive wife, just as he would take care of his own body. When the spiritual house is in order, the physical house is in order. Christ is the head of the husband, the husband is the head of the wife, the children are next, and everything else after that, friends, in-laws, job, whatever, they come next. When the proper order is out of order, the house cannot stand. Verses 30 through 33 reads as follows. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul quotes Genesis 2:24 because in the context of marriage, two have become one body. The great mystery is the union of believers with Christ as members of the church. Let's pray. Father, we come thanking you again for this week's podcast. We pray for proper order in our homes and in our lives, that we put you first in everything that we do, that we honor you, and that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in the name of the stone the builders rejected, Jesus Christ, amen. I continue to encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church, send your prayer request as well as your praise reports to our email address, which is hello at greatministries.org. Please continue to pray for Great Ministries and share us with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and the unsaved. Stay safe, be blessed, and have a great week.